You know, copywriters have to get really sharp about whatever topic they write about. You know, and that's one of the benefits of, of um, finding a niche and sticking with it. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 88. 88 of the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast, where you'll discover one simple thing, how to grow your business with email marketing. How to grow your business with marketing, really, you know? How to get more customers, how to crank up the value of those customers, and uh, automate things as much as possible, so you can run around at the park with your kids and do all that crazy cool stuff. Today, I'll be talking to Mr. Roy Fur. Now, Roy, he... Uh, I met him at Titans of Direct Response, the copywriting conference I was at a while back. And he was actually the copywriter for the sales letter for that conference. So he's, uh, you know, he, per- he knows personally a lot of the biggest copywriters in the world right now. And so I thought I'd grab him and put him on the, po- you know, get him to do a podcast with me on uh, what he's up to and some of the copywriting strategies he uses to to really get great results with his own list and for his clients. So today we're going to talk about the value. I mean, he has a crazy value per email lead, you know, that sort of value per dollar per lead, which you'll hear about in the episode and we're going to also talk about some core direct response concepts because I believe and he believes as well that a lot of this stuff it comes back to fundamentals you know I mentioned last week about the opportunistic stuff that that you you really can't be opportunistic about you know business ideas or projects within the business or even tactics that you can't think oh I'm just looking for the next greatest and you know latest and greatest tactic to grow my business it really does come back to fundamentals so we're going to talk about some of those fundamentals today to get the show notes for this episode of the McMethod Marketing Podcast go to themcmethod.com slash 88 Eight, eight. Now, this week's McMaster's Insight of the Week is to know your values, okay? So what does that mean? Well, we all make decisions based on whether we want to go to the gym or not go to the gym or go out to party on the weekend or spend time with the family or all the different things, all the decisions we have. We have a filter that we run our decisions through and that's what make them. And sometimes we feel like we made the right decision. We feel aligned with, with the decision and it feels good. And other times we don't feel good about it. We question ourselves, we doubt ourselves. So the advantage of knowing what your values are and taking the time to understand them, your core values, what drives your decisions is that you'll know, you'll have a, a conscious way of knowing when you made the right decision and when you didn't. Okay, so I did an exercise recently. This is what I did. I'm going to get a list of 400, uh, 400 different values. I actually did this exercise with a podcast guest who was on probably a couple months back. His name's John Logar, and you can go and find the podcast in the archives if you like. And uh, he, he helped me with the exercise. And basically, we got 400 different values, 400 different things, and uh, different ideas like it might be health or nutrition or family or love, all these different things. And uh, the idea is that, well, you, you, you know, you, out of those 400, you choose all the ones that resonate with you. And I ended up with, I think, a list of 75. Then you do it again. Out of those 75, I had 30. And out of the 30, I had 20. And eventually, we whittled it down all the way to five. And then I ranked the five in turn, you know, from, from highest to lowest. And that, there you go. I have a set of values. And it's not so much about deciding what the values are in the exercise. It's more about eliciting them. Okay? Discuss, you, know, you know, diving under the hood of your brain and figuring out what really drives you already. Okay? And what's going to happen is those shift. But the advantage of knowing this stuff is it really helps you to make decisions and be clear on what you're doing, why it's important to you, what really matters. So you can wake up each morning, you can look in the mirror, and you know that what you're doing today is really moving your life forward in the way that you want to move forward. I mean, I think this, 
this is the key to having that you know really satisfying fulfilling life is knowing that knowing what your values are and then crafting a life creating a life that allows you to live out those values you know, I talked about a couple of weeks back about this idea of passion versus getting good at something. I think that's the wrong question to be asking. A better question is probably going to be something along the lines of what are your values and are you living a life aligned with those values? Because if you are, it's going to feel freaking awesome. But if you're not, then it's going to feel pretty empty. Okay? So that's the exercise. You could do it yourself. You go talk to uh, John Logar. He's a, he's a really cool guy, really friendly. You reach him out, out to him via email. I think he has a website. It might be called John Logar, and you can jump on a phone call with him too. Calljohnlogar.com, I think that is. That might be wrong, but uh, it's something like that. Anyway, that's that. Now, this week's, uh, that was this week's McMaster's Inside of the Week. You probably know what McMaster's is by now if you've been listening to this podcast, but just in case you don't, it's a private community. VIP community, you might say, uh, with people who you know pay a monthly fee for access to a forum and training products. And you know, I get in this forum, I reply to their threads, there's other members in there replying to their threads. And the whole goal here of this sort of networking, it's a bit of a mastermind, you might think, is to really help people grow their business, get more customers with less time, with less effort, with less fuss. Because that's what we all want, right? That's why you're listening to this is you do want more customers. You want them with less effort. You want to, so you can do all that, you know, so you can really live that life in, you know, in accordance with your values, okay? So that's what McMasters is all about. If you want to learn more about it and even sign up, go to the mcmethod.com slash McMasters. You'll be able to get all the information there. And I would love to see you inside the forum. That's it for now. Let's get into this interview with Mr. Roy Fur. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponding guy. I'm here with Roy Fur. Now, Roy is a copywriter. I met at the Titans of Direct Response Conference a couple months back. By the time this post goes live, it would be a couple months ago in uh, in Stanford, Connecticut, which was so Titans of Direct Response was an incredible uh, marketing summit, marketing conference with all the big guys, Gary Bensavanger and Dan Kennedy and all those guys. And anyway, Roy, it turns out he's a copywriter who was at the conference, but he actually wrote, from what I remember, he wrote, you know, Roy wrote the sales letter for Brian Kurtz from Boardroom who actually put the event on. So Roy's worked with some of the biggest guys in this industry in the direct response game. And uh, I thought I'd get him on the show to talk about sort of the lessons he's learned and, and sort of a bit about what we both got out of Titans and what was the core, some of the core concepts that, they, uh, that were talked about there. So we'll get into that in just a minute. Roy, how are you going today, man? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. And and it's I feel honored actually to be on the podcast. I I I know what a what a huge effort these can be to put on and to connect with all the great people that you've had on your uh, podcast so far. And and I feel honored to be I guess featured alongside of them here. So <laughs> You're one of them uh, now, man. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Cool. Um Okay, well, before we get into some of the content, so what we just, I mean, we just discussed this, you know, a minute ago. Uh, can you give the listener just a bit of a background on uh, who is Roy Fur and, and what are you up to? Yeah, so uh, in 2004, I got a degree in psychology and it was an undergraduate degree. And I promptly got just about the best job you qualify for with an undergraduate degree in psychology, which is a customer service job at the local gas company. And it, it was an absolutely miserable job. So for, for people that didn't pay their heating bill all winter um, and then the first warm day of spring came and we went out to shut off their, their, their service, I was the guy that picked up the phone when that person called in, you know, if you didn't pay your bill and you started yelling at me because I shut off your service, apparently. Well, um, (laughs) 
it was a, it was a horrible job. It was my first full time job out of college, and um, it was it was really a miserable existence. But I worked from from like noon to nine p.m. And most people don't want to call the gas company after about six p.m. So I had a bunch of time in the evenings to read. And I'd been a you know a casual writer. Uh, my my biggest commercial success as a writer was when my grandma bought uh, ten copies of my self published poetry book for all my aunts and uncles. Um, <laughs> But but I found a book called The Well-Fed Writer, and and I thought, oh, that that's an interesting title, and I, I started reading it and um, discovered this whole copywriting thing, and that book in particular, he wasn't a direct response copywriter, so I, I quickly went down my own rabbit hole. But but that was that was back in 2005, discovered direct response copywriting. Um, by fall 2005, I had a full-time job basically running a marketing department for a small business out in Oregon. Uh, we more than doubled that business over the next four years, put them on Inc. Magazine's list, the, the fastest growing uh, small businesses in the country, and um, had a ton of success there. And then in 2010, I broke off on my own. I became a full-time freelance copywriter. I wrote uh, a lot of business opportunity stuff in that first year, and then transitioned by late 2010 to almost exclusively working with the big financial publishers um, and doing direct response. Then in in late 2010, I got uh, a lot. A lot of folks who follow copywriting know AWAI. Every year they have their boot camp. Um, as we're talking, that just ended. Uh, unfortunately, I missed it this year. But but in 2010, um, I was the guy that got the big $10,000 check up on stage. So I, I love using that picture for being like the hottest up-and-coming copywriter. How did you get that? Um, I'm with, curious. What was, the, uh, what was the challenge of the, the game? Yeah, um, so the... It's kind of a it's kind of a multi-layered process for choosing it, um, but but largely you get on their radar by working with AWAI. I mean, obviously they're kind of aware of all their students, but they're 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 most aware of the students who show up at boot camp and spend a lot of money with them, and they're even more aware of the people who work for them. And that year, I wrote what was their largest ever opportunity product promotion. Um, it was a promotion that did so well that they had to actually shut down selling the product. Now, normally what they do and what they still do is they launch a product. They don't do like the product launch formula model. They launch a product and and they just sell it from that point forward. Well, it, it did so well that within a day or two, Katie called me up and she said, Roy, I'm a little nervous because too many people want this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, you should shut it down. And they said, no, we can't do that. We've never done that. Never done that. And then, you know, about three, four days later, they say, Roy, um, we're going to go with your idea. We're going to have to shut this down. <laughs> and so within two weeks, they they shut it down because it was just selling too well. Um, and then and then launched it again as a, you know, with even more content a, f- a few months later. Mm. But it was largely that promotion um, that like cemented the the uh, $10,000 award wow. that they offer. That's a cool story. Yeah. So what happened yeah, yeah. that then? So you're at this thing, you got the $10,000 thing, and then what happened? Yeah, well, at the time, I had been just starting to do uh, work with the big financial publishers, and I I got a bunch of a bunch of gigs with various financial publishers at the time, and um, one of them actually locked me up for the next eighteen months um, as an exclusive for them, where I did a bunch of copywriting. I wrote my first million dollar promotion there, had a lot of success with them, 
and even had the opportunity to kind of do some copy chiefing, like helping to run the copywriting department um, in kind of an interim position. And then I went back out into the the freelance world after 18 months, and I've continued to work with with a bunch of other folks and and build my network and and uh, and just uh, go for a ride. I guess <laughs> it's a wild world. Even you know, even even these big financial publishers, it's kind of a wild world to be freelancing, bouncing between them. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, I'm curious. Just before we get into the core direct response stuff, I'm I'm wondering. You know, after you tell that story, where are you trying to get to in five years' time? Do you want to still be the copywriter, or do you want to have a company? Well, one of one of the things that I've I've dealt with in speaking with with the best copywriters in the world because I'm on a first name basis with most of the best copywriters in the world, and so I I, I get to have conversations with them that a lot of people don't. And uh, there's there's one guy who who most folks wouldn't know about. His name is um, David Galland. Um, through he, he's currently with Casey Research. He um, was a partner in EverBank, which is this huge online banking success story in in the U.S. over the last couple decades. Um, he hosted the New Orleans Investment Conference for I think eight years. He helped launch the Blanchard Group of Mutual Funds. And so he he has billions of dollars of sales to his name, even though you don't know who he is. Yeah. Well, one of the things that he told me when I was working with him at Casey Research was like find a way to get equity stakes in business. I mean the freelance game is nice for a while. Earning um, fees and royalties and even some really um, substantial royalties. But if you can find a way to become a partner in a business um, and use your marketing skills as your uh, capital that you're bringing to the table, that that is the single best way to make a bunch of money off marketing um, and and off copywriting. And and that's that's far more than being a freelance writer. I mean, that's that's you know a lot of times you're you're thinking about. Um, building a copywriting team and developing marketing strategies online, offline, understanding, you know, if it's appropriate, is there a direct mail universe you can go into? Yeah, that's shrunk in the last few years. But, um, you know, the folks that I work with that are using the mail are are um, still getting incredible response rates. So it's there's there's less competition in that mailbox now. You know, it's, it may be cheaper to go out online, but but you know, getting new customers through the mail is, is, it's a great way to go right now. Yeah. Um, That's a cool idea. And I think so, if there's a copywriter listening to this, there's going to be some of that. Cause I know I've been in that position before, right? Where I, I don't do so, I don't do too much copywriting these days, but I've been in a position before where I sort of wanted to keep going with the copywriting. I wanted to become you know, very successful with it. And that's an interesting, I haven't heard that way of approaching it where instead of just doing, I mean, you could do small partnerships with partnering with say a traffic guy and doing like an internet marketing product. But I like this idea of partnering in a, in a big, big, big company and taking an equity position in that company because that has much, much, yeah. much bigger potential than just well, a royalty I don't, deal. David's example was, was an interesting one. I, I, there, were, there were less than 10 founding partners and I don't know how big Everbank is today. And, and I don't think he has a stake in it anymore. I think he might have sold his stake. But I mean, just think about that. He, he's, he's one of you know, less than 10 founding partners in like the largest online banking success story in the last decade or two. There's, there's, <laughs> there's got to be something to that, you know, in terms of. $2 million market cap right now. 
Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure he, he cashed out before that, but, um, still, you know, it's, um, and, and he's done this over and over and over and over again. And, and it's something like, um, I don't know the exact details, but I know Clayton Makepeace has, has a partnership agreement with Weiss. I don't think he's a shareholder because of something that I listened to a a presentation that he gave where he just said he didn't want to deal with being a shareholder. Mm. Um, Dan, Dan Kennedy, he, um, is a shareholder in multiple direct response businesses. The the Kennedy's hair uh, barber club being one that I know that he has some sort of stake in. Mm. Um, you know, the, these great copywriters are are doing this, you know, over and over again. Gary Bensavinga, he actually said um, at one point that one of his biggest regrets of his career as a copywriter was not going off and forming his own business. So what did he do when he retired? He formed uh, Fresh Pressed Olive Oil. Um, which is um, which is an olive oil of the month um, yeah. business that he has a, a a stake in. It's and yeah, it's, it's a very interesting. Like it's an interesting thing that because because I think sometimes like it's easy. You know, I remember when I was learning how to write copy and you know like really in the trenches, like writing down things by hand and reading all the books all the time. Is is it was easy to think? Well, you know, this is really the point here. It's just you know, let's just make some money with some sales letters. Let's write some emails. Let's you know do that kind of stuff. But the end game is really to to if I mean it's it's not really the end game. It's basically if you want to get wealthy, like you want to end up with that fu money, you need to get into a position where you're a business owner. Whether it's you know you own 100 percent of the business or you're a partner in it, you know you split it so you write the copy and other people build you know build the business. However, the deal is you have to get to that point where you've got equity, where you own some sort of a business some part of it if you want to become really, really, really wealthy. And, and ideally a business where you, you may work hard up front, but, but then you're able to set up processes and systems and stuff where you're able to step away and still continue collecting those, those, um, those checks uh, without having to be writing copy every day for the business. Mm. Um, you know, that's a, that's a great long term. Uh, when you think about something, I keep going back to it just because it's, it's an example that we've brought up. It's, it's an interesting concept with Everbank. You know, it's, it's a bank. They don't need a new sales letter every, every, every week or month or something. You know, it's... Um, I mean, this is another thing too. Like I've noticed with, in the internet marketing field, and I find even with the direct response game is, not everyone of course, but there's a lot of small thinking. Like this thinking, let's say like, 10, 20 million dollars is a, is, a, is a nice business to have. Yeah, it's nice. But if you want to yeah. make 100 million dollars or 500 million dollars or say we ever banks 2.2 billion as far as uh, Google's telling me right now. So like if you want to play at those kind of levels, it takes a much, much, much bigger idea. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be quite difficult to build say a 2 billion dollar business on the, top of a, uh, on, top, on the top of a few books. And there are, there may yeah, be yeah. publishing companies out there that are like that, but it's, it's uh, well, the field's Mark, very small. Mark Ford and um, Bill Bonner, who are partners in Agora, and Mark has written about this under Michael Masterson. His book Ready Fire Aim is like must read for anybody in in um, the direct response business. I mean, they've really perfected the model of um, they build um, a small business. And then they they'll 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 get it past a million just by figuring out how to sell one thing. They'll get it past ten million by selling a lot of things that those same customers want. And then after ten million, they start to spin off uh, divisions. And you see this with Agora all the time. Uh, Money Map Press used to be a division of Oxford Club. 
Um, Stansbury has divisions and separate companies. Uh, Palm Beach Letter is actually kind of underneath Stansbury. And so they have this kind of, you know, family tree that are all owned by the Agora proper, but it's all these independently operating business units. And and we're talking a very solid nine-figure business um, with divisions of it that are still growing very fast. And, and that's run by two copywriters. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, the, if actually there was a sales letter that came out recently that said basically if if Bill Bonner um because he was the founder and is the majority owner I'm pretty sure um if he wanted to be a billionaire today he could be he would just have to package up agora and sell it um but he doesn't want to be a billionaire he wants to like write about the economy and own this business and right. and he's happy with where he's at so he's not he's not just trying to cash out but yeah it's it's and and they thought big they they thought about building a publishing empire and they figured out this model that's outlined in ready fire aim of of you know essentially supporting the intrapreneurship of you know you get a really good cop porter stansbury was a really good copywriter for one of their divisions i don't remember and he said i want to write my own newsletter and so he wrote a sales letter and launched a newsletter and, you know, now you have Stansberry. It's, it's, you know, and the, this is the deep, dark secret for customers of this industry is that a lot of the newsletters, you know, copywriters have to get really sharp about whatever topic they write about, you know, and that's one of the benefits of, of um, finding a niche and sticking with it. Um, right. You, you get really, really sharp about a topic. And, and um, so a lot of newsletters, you know, are written or compiled by on the front side a copywriter. Um, yeah, I mean the interesting you know. thing, but but there's an interesting thing there. Where yeah, they like Bill Bonner and um, Michael Masterton, they're copywriters. But there's an interesting thing where like it's not the copywriting part of their brain that built the company; it's the entrepreneurial part no. of their brain. So, you know, let's say so the listener here might might they might be a copywriter or a consultant of some sort. But if you want to have a company, if you don't just want to be writing sales letters or maybe passing a few things on to copywriters that you have or something small like that, if you want to have a company, that requires, you know, you're going to have to put your copywriter hat on to write your sales letter. But when it comes to building the company and setting up processes and hiring staff and all that sort of stuff, you've got to be an entrepreneur. And it's, a, it's an interesting reminder, I think a very important reminder that uh, I guess to think big and that different, I mean, it's not yeah. like well, you don't have to just be a copywriter. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of times um, it's it's kind of like the, the 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 entrepreneur that started a business and got it off the ground and going mm. is not the entrepreneur that can take it to a hundred million dollar company. And to some degree, you can do that like in your head. You can make that switch if you are like self aware enough to do that. And so you know, copywriting alone may may help you build a one million dollar business or a five million dollar business just by going out and writing a bunch of sales letters. Um, but when you want to take that next leap, um, I'm not saying you should hire MBAs because I tend to, as a whole, have kind of a negative impression um, that they're built for middle management and large companies. Mm. Um, but but you have to have kind of that systems MBA mindset that's taught. And uh, figure out how you can transition, I guess, or or put on the different hats at different times, and and say, okay, when we just need to sell products, I need to put on my copywriter and marketing strategist hat. But when I when I want to build this this big business, I need to put on my system builder hat and and fill in the copywriting roles, um, you know, ideally. Mm. So, mm. 
Okay, okay. So I'm curious, just to just to change the topic a little bit. Uh, yeah. We mentioned Titans before. You were at Titans. I was there. What was your? Uh, I mean, we, we we talked about some of the core concepts, or like what was the gist of Titans? What did you get out of it? Yeah, I I should actually um, bring up. I'm I'm going to use this as just a, a momentary excuse to talk about my blog, Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, because I've written about takeaways a, a couple times, um, and I just on on Monday, um, well Monday as we speak, I, I wrote. Um, I wrote like the the top takeaways for beginning copywriters. The funny thing was to me, the thing that jumped out so much was that there was like very little talk of tactics at Titans mm. and so much about like mindset and not getting caught in kind of this little mind of of copyright of the copywriting world, like right. going out to the big mind of like the whole world. And thinking about your market and all of that, like, um, you know, one of the things that was recommended a couple times was um, reading about litigation and like how the best lawyers built their cases. And that that was completely fascinating to me, like um, thinking about the different types of 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 persuasion out there. Um, and that I mean, that's still fairly connected. Um, there there were a lot of there were a lot of talks there. I think about um, topics that might be thought of as as kind of woo woo um, on like you know putting yourself on. Um, I, I compared it to 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 having a GPS. Um, and, and, um, a lot of them talked about kind of a variation on this that like you have to, um, you have to enter in, enter the, let's say you want to drive from, from Los Angeles to New York city. Well, you know, you, you enter, you know, the address in New York city in your GPS, and then you have to like stay on course mm -hmm. for that entire trip. And it's a long trip. Um, but if you stay on course, you like know where you're going. If you get off route, you have to get back on route. Um, and, 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 um, and to become really great, to become a Titan at direct response or anything else, like that was one of the big things that, that I took away is that you have to be kind of constantly aware of, of that GPS. Um, I definitely did the same thing as a copywriter very early on. I wrote, this was in 2009. I letter from my own services that said something along the lines of imagine hiring the next Clayton McPeace, Gary Benga, or Michael Masterson, um, you know, when they're basically fresh and whatever. Now, now the letter itself bombed, but the thinking behind it was sound. Mm. I mean, that that particular letter, I don't think generated me any any business. Um, but it but it was actually like very similar to some of the stuff that I heard from the Titans up on stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's a, I it's, mean, it's an interesting were, thing where, I mean, this is a concept from, I think it's psycho cybernetics is the book where, you know, getting towards yeah. your goal, getting towards anywhere in life, it's very much like sailing a boat or, or, you know, riding a boat across the ocean. The reason being is that <clears throat> you never go in a straight line from point A to B, especially when you're sailing, because your wind blows and you have to sort of zigzag your way there. So the wind blows and you get blown off course. Yeah. Especially upwind. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and you, you zigzag back in, zigzag back, and eventually yeah. you, you get to the destination. But I mean, so often in life, it's very easy to kind of think, well, no, I'm getting so distracted and, and uh, I'm getting carried away with this thing over here and those sort of problems. And it's tough to remember, but it's really important to remember that that really the process of getting to that goal. I mean, whether you're a copywriter right now or whether you already have a business, it doesn't really matter. Getting to anywhere, 
you zigzag your way there. You can't go in a straight line, and even if you try. And it's a, it's an interesting analogy. It's just sort of like what you're saying there is that it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be that straight line. No, it it absolutely doesn't. And and I think the sailing is another great analogy. I, I actually, my grandparents retired onto a sailboat and sailed from. Indianapolis, Indiana, which, you know, you have to ride a lot of rivers for, for a while, right. but they sailed from Indianapolis, Indiana, um, down to the, uh, Caribbean and all the way across over to South Africa and back, um, like in their 60, I think they were in their sixties when they went to That's South Africa. Ride, man. That taken yeah. There was like, there was like 26 days where there was not a sign of human life, like not even a jet contrail across the sky. Hmm. Um, the whole world could have imploded, you know, as long as the ocean was still there and they wouldn't have known it, um, for 26 days. But yeah. Um, and, and, and so like I, I grew up visiting them on their sailboat quite often and, and that, that really resonates with me. I, I, I enjoy the, the idea. <laughs> I'm curious what you mean um, about the, yeah. uh, the, where you talked about the core direct response concepts. Like, so aside from, I, you know, I've talked about this a lot when, in my uh, training and you know, the training community. Which is that that a lot of people get hyped up and they get too you know they get all excited about tactics like a headline template or a good sales letter template when a lot of I mean the core fundamental to me is empathy and really getting and in, being getting inside someone's head so much that uh, that you understand him or her better than they understand themselves and that to me is yeah you know, that's one of those fundamental concepts there was there were there were six words that um, that really like locked into my brain and I don't remember where I heard them, but they locked into my brain when I was fairly early on in my copywriting career. And it's understanding your prospects, fears, frustrations, and failures, as well as their dreams, their desires, and what they see as their destiny. And like, add the right copy. If you understand that, like, you know, what, what fears are blocking them from having life they want? What, what, what are they frustrated with today in their life right now? What failures just keep bugging them? Like the things that they should have succeeded at, but they didn't. What, what dreams do they have for, for their future and for what that can be? What, what immediate desires do, do they want fulfilled right now? A lot of it for me, I mean, I'm, you know, about the time that this podcast is, is published, I have a very small group of copywriters coming to join me for three days in Lincoln, Nebraska to um, chat about this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very big topic. But, but for me, um, part of it is actually just going and, and like, it, well, it, it's, it's the psycho-cybernetics technique of theater of your mind, of, of um, just trying to put yourself in the mind of the prospect. I, I, in 2010, I got to interview Bill Bonner at AWAI, um, and we talked for a while about his process for copywriting. And, and this is largely what I, I try and do, is he just kind of imagines the prospect. And, and it's not like a, a real defined process, but, but he thinks about, you know, for investors, it's, you know, somebody who's maybe right on the cusp of retirement and they're realizing that they haven't saved enough money and they, you know, they're just looking at their finances and they're thinking, oh, geez, I can, you know, I could retire now and probably do okay for a few years, but 
you know, am I going to be greeting people at Walmart? Am I going to be, um, you know, checking groceries at the, at the, at the grocery store that, that I've shopped at for the last 20 years? You know, what, what is my life going to look like in 10 years if, if I don't figure this financial thing out and, and get, get a bit more money there, um, to, to back me up. So, so like really try and put yourself in the mind of the, this person at this point in their life and and with all the all the past and all the future kind of crashing on them and then like just just um you know this is this is in terms of finding what to write about you know just look through all your research and the topics you know the news around whatever topic you're writing about and like really look for what jumps out at you like while you're inside that person in, in the theater of the mind right um and and then just try and write about that in the best damn way possible, um, and and test it. Um, and and what starts to happen if you like stay in a market for a while is is your your imagination about what that pro- who that prospect is and what gets them excited, um, you know, does start to become more accurate. Um, you know, and the, and and that's why you know somebody who's been in the business for twenty years is is usually going to be better than somebody who's been in the business for two years. Um, there are great examples. Uh, Denny Hatch wrote a book called Method Marketing, where he had a couple examples of people who wrote their first ever sales letter, and the book I think is out of print. But he had uh, you know a few sales letters from like superstar pro copywriters and a few sales letters from you know people who weren't even copywriters who just sat down and wrote a letter and and both because they did such a good job of kind of capturing the the gestalt which is a term from psychology the the big picture of who the prospect was what they cared about how the the business or organization met them there um they did incredibly incredibly well there was one that was like a fundraising chain letter basically for um like a children's medical research uh, place and 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 um, they ended up like shutting it down, even though it was making a ton of money. Like this woman wrote it on her own. I think she was a nurse there, yeah. um, and she's like, you know, this is important, and I just want you to send ten dollars, send ten of your own dollars, and on your letterhead, retype this letter and send it to like five or ten of your friends and ask them to send ten of their own dollars, <laughs> no matter who they are, just send ten ten bucks. Yeah. And they made like hundreds of thousands of dollars and then the, the, the hospital or the, the medical research facility like shut it down because they didn't want to be associated with this chain letter. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm like slapping my forehead about that. But yeah. and that was just somebody who who really like understood, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a superstar copywriter. So so like understanding your market, that's a great like fundamental direct response, getting back to your, your question, wow. but, but also just like the customer process of like, you know, in order for me to buy from you, I have to know who you are first. And so like, as a marketer, I have to introduce myself, like provide some sort of value or unique perspective or something to like connect with this person first. And then like, once they, once I've connected with them, then I can ask them to like join my list and be a part of my list. And then like, once that step has been achieved, I can start trying to make a first sale, but you know, it's, it, it has to be a gentle sale and not an expensive sale. Like the, the term tripwire is used for like the $7 offers or whatever, um, which is, you know, it's fair enough term, whatever. And then like a bigger sale from there. And then, you know, maybe a big 
big sale or like a continuity sale after that in the newsletter business. There's a bunch of front end newsletters that are less than a hundred bucks a year. And then, you know, you can step up from there. There's like thousand dollar newsletters that focus on smaller stocks with higher volatility and higher potential upside. Mm. And then there's like daily trading services where they're providing you updates and those are much more expensive. And so it's all about like building that relationship. And as you build the relationship and deliver more value, faster value, more immediate value, that sort of thing, that allows you to to um, to raise the price. So so they get more value. You get more value. um, But it's this like growing relationship. Right. Um, Okay. It's not. Yeah, it's sort of like it's, a, not, it's, it's this ongoing thing that you, I, I call, you know, I call it a dynamic thing. When when people talk about how many emails should an autoresponder be, for example, or, or when should you stop contacting your customers or leads, it's like well, never. It's a relationship. Yeah, and you, yeah. Know, you can let them end the relationship by unsubscribing or canceling or something like that. But otherwise, if they don't unsubscribe, or if they don't decide they don't want to hear from you, then you keep on sending yeah. them stuff. Uh, a great story. Um, when I was working for that company out in Oregon, the, they published IT training. And for a little while, um, because I couldn't earn a royalty in the marketing department, I switched over to sales where I could get paid a sales commission. But I was still doing direct response marketing. I was just getting a sales commission right. and and driving leads to myself and not the rest of the sales team. Um, I very quickly became one of the top salespeople because I found a way to filter out the people that wanted to buy a really expensive solution, like $30,000. And what I did was I started off with usually a very good conversation with them. Like this is, you know, maybe your bait piece. Um, I got them to raise their hand and say, you know, I want a consultation about how your training might work in my organization. And then um, we would have that consultation. And then what I would do is I would just put them in our in our CRM system, our you know, which basically – I set up a reminder that I would contact them back. And if I had just had good conversations with them, I might contact them back before the end of the week or early next week. And then as, as it went on and as like their purchasing process, because a lot of it was B2B sales, so the purchasing process would drag out, um, I just kept contacting them until I got a yes or a no. And, you know, I, I told them I didn't like, I don't like maybes, I like yes or no. But if it's not yet, if it's not yet, I'm going to keep, you know, touching base and seeing how I can help. Is there anything I can do today to move it along? Yeah. And, you know, it would start out with very frequent contacts. And then, you know, months later, I might be sending somebody a, a note every two or three weeks and just saying, you know, hey, how are things going? Is there anything I can do for you today? And it's a little bit different when you're when you're doing like autoresponders and you're, you know, not in a one-on-one sales process. But the principle is the same. Like, when the relationship is hot, you contact them often, but until they say no, like specifically, I don't want to do business with you, um, you know, you should have some sort of ongoing contact with them and and just keep doing it until they say yes or no. And I would have things go on for, for six months or more um, where other salespeople would have completely dropped that lead and just, you know, not... Uh, not done anything with it after two or three contacts, yeah. I would get, I would have a $30,000 purchase order show up and everybody would be looking at me like, how the heck are you doing this? Mm. You know, cause I'd, I'd sell a couple of those a month, which, which worked out very well for me, <laughs> cool, man. you know, okay. and, and a bunch of other stuff too. So, yeah. So, so that, that's really the attitude. I mean, like I, I write my, my stuff daily. I write articles daily and that's, it's a different thing because that's what I promised. But 
you know, that's that is certainly how you should think about autoresponders. Okay. Well, cool, man. We're um we're actually right on time here. But, okay. Uh, so before we go though, let's talk more about you know what's going on with this breakthrough marketing secrets. Where and where should uh, the listener go if they want to learn more about what you're up to? Yeah. So five days a week, you know, daily, uh, essentially, I write I write an article on um something from the direct response marketing world or my experience. Um, and, you know, generally Mondays I answer reader questions. Tuesdays I talk about copy. Uh, Wednesdays I talk about web marketing stuff. Thursdays I talk about business strategy or marketing strategy. And Fridays I talk about whatever I want. And, um, you know, I don't have a ton of readers, but but my I have very excited and loyal readers. Um, I try and deliver a ton of value, you know, contrary to the teaching of some other people who do daily emails. And that's fair. What works for them works for them. And what works for me works for me. Um, you know, but, um, I, I write a ton of, of content for that. Um, it is how I announced my copywriting event. The registrations are now closed. And certainly by the time this is published, the registrations are closed, but, um, I will have a, a, rec- a crew coming in to record that. But it's, it's, you know, if you're into direct marketing, if you're into uh, copywriting, there's going to be a lot of stuff for you in there. So that's it. BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com. If you go there, um, it's going, the, the first thing that's going to happen is a video is going to start playing where you are going to learn the most valuable secret that I learned from Gary Bensavinga, who's considered the world's best copywriter years ago. Um, that probably has contributed more to my success than anything else. And it's a secret that's not just for copywriters. It's, it's for life in general and for business and whatever goals you have. Right. Um, you're going to learn that right away and you're going to have the opportunity to, um, to, to sign up and, and get a few really valuable free reports. There's, there's some for, for business owners and some for copywriters and um, just good stuff. And, and it'll give you a chance to, to also try my uh, my daily stuff. And I am happy to have you unsubscribe. If you ever feel like, you know, I suck, you hate my articles, or it's just too much. Um, I'd rather have you unsubscribe than complain uh, that it's spam. Um, but but I have a ton of loyal subscribers who open it religiously within the first hour, they receive it every day. Um, and my, my stats uh, say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it gives me an opportunity to talk about marketing. All right, well, I'll have a link to that uh, BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com in the show notes at TheMcMethod.com. Roy, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, awesome. Thank you for having me and, and, and the invitation and the opportunity to, uh, to, to speak alongside some, some amazing guests that you've had so far. I can't wait to, to dig even deeper into the archives and listen to every episode. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.